Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier Counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm News Press reporter Adam Regan, and I'm joined for the second episode of the third season, again by Naples Daily News reporter Adam Fisher. Fisher, how are you? Doing pretty well. Looking forward to uh, more games to talk about this week. Before next week, everybody kicks it into full gear. So it was a lot of fun being out there on, on Friday night. I was a little rusty, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, spring football is when the uh, the teams kind of get worked up for the fall and see what they need to work on. That's also when the sports reporters kind of kick off the rust as well. You know, and the preseason games, which were supposed to be, what, August 14th? That's when I uh, you know get used to shooting video and taking stats and all that. So a little rough how on long did my it ta- end. How long did it take you to really get into the groove? It took me like... A quarter. Yeah, I'd say about a quarter. That was about right. With me, I have a, a manual stat sheet I write on and a notebook I put notes in as well, all while I'm trying to videotape. Videotape? Look, I sound like an old man. <laughs> you have your, did you have your camcorder out on, there with you? <laughs> my little handheld uh, or shoulder-held uh, one that my dad had in the 80s. Um, so I'm shuffling crap around in my hands, and I dropped a few things. But no, I'd say about a quarter, and then I got in the groove. You want to jump right into it? Um, a little recap of last week. I guess we can start with the big game of the week. And Tampa Jesuit pulled off a 28-21 road win over Bishop Rowe, a highly thought-of Bishop Rowe team who really didn't show up at the beginning. Uh, they turned the ball over early twice, and uh, Tampa Jesuit scored off their first three possessions. But then Malik Curtis came Yes, back. Malik Curtis, man. I was following your tweets and, and reading up your writing of the game story because you were there. Yeah, what was it, 22 to nothing, Jesuit in the second quarter? Yep. And then Varro kind of came alive. You take that away, and they outscored him 21-6 to the rest of the way. Well, Jacob Azizi finds Malik Curtis yeah. on a 77-yard flare, really, and Curtis did all the work. And then Curtis again scores on a on a reverse. They ran mm-hmm. they ran a reverse from. They found all kinds of ways to get this kid the ball. He had ten touches for two hundred and thirty six yards and three TDs. And in the second half, he caught a big bomb from Azizi. And really, they pulled within twenty eight twenty one. They had Tampa Jesuit on a fourth and four at around yeah. midfield. And then Tampa Jesuit fakes a punt and really. Tell me about that. Was it an actual like fake punt player? Was it one of those rugby punts where the, the punter kind of rolls out and then decides if he wants to run or not? It was a direct snap to the, the, ah, the, 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 uh, the up back, right? Yeah. And it's funny. I'm watching the Bishop Royal coaches, and they're like, watch the fake. Watch <laughs> the fake. I guess it didn't translate onto the field because I think everybody knew what was coming. I, Jesuit was going to give it a go. And they got the yardage, and they were able to run out the clock. But I will say this about Bishop Rowe. For how bad they started their first you know, three possessions or so, they really came alive. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, this is a Jesuit team that went to a state Final Four last yep. year. And they almost, they almost came back into the game and, and really tested them. So I think this bodes well for Bishop Rowe. They go on the road this week to Delray Beach American Heritage, which, is, which will be another test. What is interesting about this game and about every game this season and something I don't think we touched on last week is normally you say this is a great game it's kind of it's going to improve Bishop Vrell however it's a loss and a loss is a loss in the previous RPI system to get into the playoffs and the uh, the point system they had before that well that doesn't matter now 
every team gets into the playoffs that wants to play. So none of these games matter. And I don't mean to say that they don't matter, matter. But what they do is they get you better for the weeks to come. So when Bishop Rowe, if they go 5-5 five and five in a really hard schedule, well, those five losses are going to teach you a bunch, and they're not going to count against you as they would have in years past. Yeah, I think you can talk to James Cheney at Lehigh about this the last couple of years. He's had that mentality that he's going to schedule the best teams. He's going to play Booker T. Washington. He's going to play Lakeland Kathleen. And it's kind of hurt them a little bit in past seasons in terms of this playoff system. While Bishop Verreau has really decided that they're going to play the best. They're going to try to get the best teams they can on the schedule. And this year in particular, I think it's going to pay off because they might be whatever, you know, six and four five and five or something like that but they're going to be playoff ready and we might see this is a whole other conversation we might see bishop Vero playing a public school in the playoffs because we don't know what the classifications are going to look like next week i believe or two weeks the 18th is when high schools can declare to be in the state playoffs and then the fhsaa takes the amount of schools that are going to be in the playoffs and divide it up just based on enrollment now normally bishop Vero is a little bit lower than the big public schools But who knows what that's going to look like. So that could be a whole lot of fun. And another thing we haven't talked about, I don't think, blind draw playoffs. Like no seeding, no rankings. Naples High could play the other second best team and could play Fort Myers in the first round. It's going to be very interesting. Fisher, let's move down to Collier County. What was the game that really jumped out at you? Was it the game you were at? Was it FBA? Well, FBA took care of business as we expected. 35 to nothing win over Gateway Charter. Rich Million, who was a finalist for Offensive Player of the Year last year as a freshman, did what we expected. 203 yards passing and three touchdowns. 95 yards rushing and one touchdown. He has a new target, a kid named Olsen Henry, who I, I saw his name. I think he played last year but didn't uh, do a lot. 105 rece- receiving yards and a touchdown. Olsen Henry's listed as a 6'4". 195-pound sophomore on uh, First Baptist. So if him and Rich Millian get to hook up for the next three years, that's, that's going to be dangerous for other small schools in the area. What I found interesting was some of the quarterback play, which we, yes. don't, we don't see a lot of great quarterback play with the past years. We've, I mean, there have been you know spots where there has been. But, man, first week of the season, you, you got Rich Millian. Obviously, we knew we knew who he was. But then you've got is it Kale Persh from uh, CSN yep. rushes for 139 yards. And then you've got it. O- Oasis has a transfer yep. uh, from Omaha Central in Nebraska. Toby Kellner, who was 14 of 20 for 239 yards and two touchdowns. So we've been doing this uh, podcast way too long together because you read my mind. We're starting to think alike. I put in my notes here. What stood out is the passing. In five games, we had five 200-yard passers. That's a lot in high school. You don't see that a ton. Go look at a school like Golden Gate or Naples. He doesn't throw it very much, but five 200-yard uh, passers, and that doesn't include who you mentioned, Kale Purse, who did it with his legs and looked, looked very yeah. good, very electric. So, yeah, pretty good quarterback play. Yeah, and we mentioned Jacob Azizi threw for 275 yards. He had a, a little bit of a rough start, but, I mean, he really – morphed into you know getting them back into the game and really he's becoming the player who we thought he was going to be and let me give a shout out to uh csn who we touched on with the quarterback kale Persh. i was out there at their beautiful new stadium very nice regan i know you don't get to uh, lee county much i want to see it they need you got to, they you need gotta to go cover a game, game i mean there. it's very cool it has cool amenities but in the end stands are stands you know what i mean they're nice stands are concrete stands but they're still bleachers Dude, that press box, man, it's so nice. It's carpeted. It's air-conditioned. They got a cooler full of cold water. It's fantastic. Scoreboard's going to have video replays eventually. Very cool stadium. They break it in in style. They ran for 394 yards. Man. Started kind of slow, actually. First quarter was kind of a bleh. And then Kale Persh goes crazy. They have this cool 
um, running back duo in Lovinson Xavier, crazy athletic kid who ran for over 500 yards last year, a basketball star. So, you know, like I said, he is athletic. And then they give it to this big, beefy Landon Reed who looks like an offensive lineman. He played like power forward for the uh, basketball team as well, and he barrels his way to 89 yards. So they did very well. Fisher, let me ask you, as I was following your tweets from that game, it looked like blowout central for community school, but SFCA kind of hung in there a little bit. How did they look? So the final score was, what, uh, 49-20? to CSN scored 24 straight points in the second quarter because SFCA turned it over three times. So that didn't look good. They have a a freshman quarterback in Eli Moore. But once they got going, I mean, Eli is one of those 200-yard passers we talked about. And I tell you, what I was most impressed with, Sam Ripple, a guy that we talked about coming in because he caught like 900 yards last year, a senior Dude, he had a receiving touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown. He was the punter. He had a fake punt he ran for a first down. He kicked two PATs, and he played free safety. And after the game, he said, man, my body's hurting, but uh, we kept fighting. We didn't give up. They were within a couple scores there in the uh, third quarter before just kind of losing momentum. But Sam Ripple, watch out for him. He's going to have a big season. And then the game we hadn't talked about is LaBelle and ECS, and that was one of the tough ones when we were picking games. Yeah. We we both went with LaBelle at home, and LaBelle took care of business 21-12. to 12. You had Lawson Davidson, another another quarterback, threw two touchdown passes and ran for another. Uh, LaBelle looks much improved. I mean, ECS, that they were going to be a tough out, and LaBelle really took care of business. So shout-out to the Cowboys. And ECS is young, and, and they got some great contributions from those young players. One of them, the uh, was it the quarterback, Ernest Graham's son. I'm, I'm losing Miles his Miles Graham. Right. There we go. Lawson Davidson, who I believe also, would he be LaBelle's coach's kid? Yes. Matt Davidson? Matt Davidson. So there you go. A lot of coaches' kids doing big things. LaBelle has a tougher game this week. I think they go two clues in, which is never fun. Uh, so we'll see if they can keep that's it up. That's a rivalry game, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Well, when we come back, we're going to do a little public school talk. I know we're a week or two away from that, but I want to talk about it. Fisher wants to talk about it. Join us back after the break. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com news-press.com and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Hello everyone, welcome back in to the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast and right now Mr. Regan and I are going to talk about public schools. Now they do not play this Friday, they don't start playing until the 17th, that's a Thursday because the Jewish holiday on the 18th and some play the 18th. However, next week we'll be breaking down games and looking at what happened this week. So I want to kind of get in and do a little bit of a season preview, find out what there is to know. And I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. I've been kind of in my little foxhole in Collier County, learning all the teams, doing all the previews for these public schools. I don't really know a lot about Lee County yet. So I need you to learn me up. So I'm going to ask you right off the bat, as a guy coming in that doesn't know a lot about Lee County football this year, who is the team to watch or who is the team that's kind of at the forefront of your mind? I think Fort Myers High School is always at the forefront of everybody's mind in Lee County. They're, they've kind of set the standard. They're what everybody's trying to be, and I don't think it's going to be any different this year in our preseason rankings. I had them ranked right behind Naples at number two, and I don't think I think they're going to stay there all season. I know they lost a lot. They lost Yasias Young, one of our Offensive Player of the Year candidates, Caden Baker, offensive lineman who is an Offensive Player of the Year, but they keep building, building, and I think their defense is going to be very, very strong this year. You've got Greg Denard, who's a the middle linebacker. He was their leading tackler from last year. And you got one of the better cornerbacks in Southwest Florida in Greg Delane. I think it really starts there, and I think that they're going to be one of the better defenses in Southwest Florida. And they have their quarterback right back. And, Carter and, Lane, and yeah, he's back. back. He's back. Uh, he's, he's improved. Um, 
but they're still going to run the they're still going to run the wing, and uh, we'll see if Carter can make the throws. I mean, when everybody's loading up the box, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to throw it downfield. You got Joriel Washington, who's a big time threat, so he's going to have all the tools he needs to really work with and make. Fort Myers offense go. Give me a team from Collier County you're really looking forward to seeing. Uh, and don't say Naples High. Well, I was going to say, you referenced in your rankings Naples High. We got them at number one right now. Any discussion of Collier County football has to start with Naples High, especially this year. They have a lot coming back. However, we'll get into them later because we're going to talk a lot about Naples High. I'm sure the team that everyone's talking about and is heaping, maybe um, you know, stifling expectations on them is Palmetto Ridge. Palmetto Ridge has a ton coming back. They have a ton of talent and a ton of expectations, which may not be a good thing for a team that's never really won anything. Their first game of the season is against Naples High School, so we're going to see right away. And they've uh, beaten Naples High School how many times? Zero times in uh, you know since they opened in 2004 or whatever. Remember <laughs> last year, Palmetto Ridge had expectations, but a lot of injuries. They started 0-5 with a freshman at quarterback, a freshman at running back. Very hard to do. And then once they got better, once their quarterback, Evan Rodriguez, came back, Am I, am I saying that? Right? Yes, Evan Rodriguez. It is Evan Rodriguez, and they, they had a – when he played the last five games of the season? Uh, yeah, and they went ballistic, especially the four games. The four games when he first came back, he threw for over 200 yards each time. Jaden Booker was a freshman last year in a 6A program, ran for 1,100 yards, second among running backs in Collier County. Kamonte Grimes, obviously we all know about, committed to Nebraska. He's number three on our Big 15 list. He's back playing both sides of the ball. Malik Dudon, wide receiver. Uh, Fisher, can we talk about Malik Dayaduna a second – He's really going to benefit from having Kamonte Grimes, who's a, what, three, four-star on the other side there. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities. Uh, I guess we don't know what the quarterback situation looks like. Evan Rodriguez is back, but don't they, they have a transfer in there. I mean, we don't know who's going to be delivering the ball to those guys, but Malik's definitely going to benefit. And he did last year. I mean, we talk a lot about Kamonte. I mean, Malik uh, did make the all-area team, I believe, second team. He led the team in catches last season in 46 catches, and that's a lot in high school in 10 games. He was only 51 yards behind Kamonte Grimes because Kamonte's that big play threat. So his, his receptions went for a little bit longer. But Malik Dudon, he's got a couple Division One offers. Very talented kid there on offense. So their offense is stacked. That doesn't mention their big tight end they love in Caleb Cousins, who I think was a sophomore last year, yes. So didn't do a ton, um, but he's just a big kid. Coach Chris Tokenen loves him. And then their defense, man. Gene Perez and Jordan Ennis are two of the hardest hitters I've seen, you know, just being on the sidelines. So humongous expectations for this team. Now the question is how are they going to deal with that because we know they got the talent. It's just especially your very first game of the year against a team you've never, ever beaten and everybody wants to beat, it's, it's tough. Speaking of tremendous expectations, you got a team like Lehigh in Lake County who's yep. got – Power five guys all over the place. You've got Jake Cheney, Wisconsin commit at middle linebacker. You've got Tavares Dawson, an Auburn commit at wide receiver <laughs> cornerback. You've got Amarion Cooper, a four-star cornerback who's committed to FSU. And then you've got Richard Young, who's the number one running back in the class of 2023. And let's say those two guys, Richard Young and Amarion Cooper, are the numbers one and two guys in our Big 15 list, which is, you know, like it or not, it's the uh, list of the highest recruits or the biggest recruits uh, in the area. Amarion Cooper is the highest rated senior in our area in ESPN's 300. Only him and Kamonte Grimes are ranked in the ESPN 300, which ranks the 300 top recruits in each class. Amarion Cooper's like at 120, 130, somewhere in that range. Yeah, and Kamonte Grimes, what, 139? He's a little bit higher. I think he was like low 200s. 
Well, we do this with Lehigh every year. Uh, they, they're the team that comes in with all the talent and expectations, and sometimes they fall short of that. But last year, I don't think they did. I mean, they finished with a losing record, but they won their first district title in 24 years last year. And that was in no shortage of all the talent they have. They have some very good complementary players. I know James Chaney will say that, you know, 11 men on the field really, really make the team. And they've got plenty of depth. I expect them to continue their success. I mean, this is really, really the surge we've been waiting for for Lehigh. And you mentioned uh, in the first segment about how Lehigh, they're not scared to schedule the big boys in the regular season, which has kind of been their detriment or detrimental because they've, they've missed the playoffs. However, this year we're only scheduling local teams. So, you know, look at their schedule. they got some good ones. They're playing Charlotte. They're playing Fort Myers. Riverdale, Dunbar, but that's about it. So they well, could have a good record, and they're going to be in the playoffs. They had Bishop Rowe on the schedule this year, and that game got killed because of them only wanted to playing district competition and public schools from Collier and Charlotte County. So, Which is a shame because the public schools in Collier County are playing Bishop Rowe. Laley and Palmetto Ridge are playing Bishop Rowe. Well, trust me, that wasn't Lehigh's decision. Lehigh wants right. to play the best teams, and Bishop Rowe is one of those best teams. But we do get to see Fort Myers on the schedule for Lehigh this year. It, they had moved out up in classification and out of Fort Myers district. And they had usually played Fort Myers every single year, but didn't play him last year. So we'll get that game this year, which should be a pretty good matchup. Well, I'm going to tell you in Lee County, another team that I'm looking at that I'm intrigued by is Laley. I think they kind of got overlooked in the off season because, you know, so much else was going on. We're talking about Palmetto Ridge. We're always talking about the other team. What's it called? Naples High School. How did I forget the name of Naples High School when I live in Naples? <laughs> uh, you also should probably take a geography class saying that Laley is located in Lee County. If there's not... Oh, the, did I say that? If there's that? a school in Collier County further away from... That's true. ...from Lee County, let me know. <laughs> Anyways, in Collier County, J.J. Everett came in last year from Kentucky First season takes them to the playoffs for the first time in six years. They went six and four in the regular season, lost in the first round. They did lose their quarterback and two really talented linebackers, but they got two studs. We're talking about, you know, just athletes. Sergio Morency, who led the team with receptions last year. Uh, defensive back J.J. Durville, who, um, you know, was all over the field. He played a little bit on offense as well. They're both back. They're in our Big 15. The question with Laley is the offense. Last year, they only had 444 rushing yards all season in 11 games they just couldn't get it together they were trying some different things but I expect with J.J. Average in his second season and, and he came in late last year he came in in May so kind of missed out on most of the spring ball didn't have a lot of summer this year he's had the entire offseason I know he, he, it's been a weird offseason where you may not have had as much uh, one-on-one time with the kids or maybe you had more because you're stuck at home with the uh, coronavirus but I think Laley should be decent again There are a couple teams I want to run through in Lee County real quick I don't want to call them all Sarans because they're very very good teams as always, you have Dunbar, so much talent. Yep. They're going to be leaning on their defense throughout the year. Sammy Brown, that's just the way he builds teams. And they're, they're going to be an excellent team. They're going to challenge Fort Myers this year, I think. And they're going to play Lehigh, and that's going to be a really good game this season too. Then you have South Fort Myers in Willis May's second season after they made the playoffs last year after going, what, 1-9 and nine the previous mm-hmm. year. So they're much improved. You have Cypress Lake, who won a district title for the first time in probably around a quarter of a century last year. They beat Fort Myers last year, but they're repl- trying to replace Offensive Player of the Year, their quarterback, C.J. Shedd, but they have plenty of weapons. Uh, Kyrie Savoy, Michael Lennett Jr. was a 1,000-yard rusher as a junior. So I think Cypress Lake is a team that you really, really need to keep on your radar. I don't think they're going to be a one-year wonder. 
What about North Fort Myers? Um, you know, that's a team that's always in the mix. Oh, man, they're going to kill me for forgetting that. Yeah. North Fort Myers, always consistent under Dwayne Mack, and they've got plenty of great players. They've got a big offensive line. They're going to run the ball down your throats. They will always be a tough out. Let's let's remember, as I'm looking over these teams in Lee County, we forgot last year the way the playoffs worked with the new RPI system. You could have multiple teams from different districts. What was it, six teams from the area in 6A made, made the playoffs mm-hmm. with Naples, Laley, North, South, Fort Myers, and there's probably another one I'm missing. Yeah, but who came out of that bracket? Uh, well, yeah, they were they were in that uh, bracket with Miami Central. So yeah, it was it was Dillard and Miami Central versus Southwest Florida, right? Yeah. So we may not see that again this year because who knows when the uh, Miami teams are playing. Well, that's going to do it for our public school preview section. When we come back, we're going to review our picks from last week, which we did pretty well, I would think, and we're going to pick this week's games. After the games each week, go to NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, or our apps on your mobile device for photos, videos, and analysis from games throughout Southwest Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the final segment of this week's Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, where we picked games. How'd we do fit last week, Fisher? You and I, we picked the exact same, which is boring, I know. So boring. But we both went 5-0, and showing that we were both very smart individuals. Picked every single one right. This week, we only have seven games on the schedule. We normally like to pick ten games, but again, you know, we're kind of ramping up slowly. Next week, we'll have a full slate, but seven games to pick this week. Let's see if we can uh, make some, some different picks. Yeah. You want to give us the games? So let's start just with, let, let's go big. Bishop Vero coming off a very tough game against Tampa Jesuit. Now they hit the road and play at American Heritage. Now this is not Plantation American Heritage, which went 10-2 and in 5A last year. This is Delray American Heritage, which is smaller and a smaller classification. However, this American Heritage is always decent. They were 5-5 five and five last year and they made the playoffs in 4A. The week before, or the year before that, uh, Delray American Heritage was 9-4 and four and were 3A regional champs. So Bishop Vero on the road, another strong test. How you feeling? I think Bishop Vero learned a lot from playing Jesuit. I don't think they were ready. I think the coaching staff was actually caught up a little off guard by Jesuit. I think they thought that Jesuit was going to be a very run-oriented offense and Jesuit just switched it up from last year and was throwing the spread, throwing the ball all over the place. I think they're going to be ready for Heritage. They beat Heritage last last year, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to go with Bishop Vero. My problem with Vero last week was that they had like 120 rushing yards. 50 of those were on Malik uh, Curtis's reverse. <laughs> so other than that, it was like 25 rushing yards for uh, 25 rushes for 70 yards. I mean, Malik Curtis was their entire offense, and an athletic team like American Heritage can shut him down. I don't think a team in our area will be able to stop Malik Curtis, but they probably have the horses to slow him down. It is a road trip, and you know what? Just to be different, I'm going to take American Heritage. Oh, you're really stepping out on a limb there, going with the home team. You know, uh, they, you like I told you, they trip. went 5-5 five and five last year, so not, not as good as uh, the Plantation one. We get to see Canterbury for the first time this year, the uh, defending SSAC champions, is that right? Yeah, the Sunshine State Athletic Conference champions uh, looking to repeat. They are hosting Marco Island. Marco lost last week to Oasis, I believe, 35-14, to 14 and looked decent. They got, they got a kid, Kyler Howard, who's been there for a while. He's an athlete. He can do some things for him. Canterbury, I know, uh, lost some people from that uh, championship team. They're, I don't say rebuilding, but they're working in new pieces. But they are at home. Marco Island, I hate to say it because we say it every week, but they haven't won a game in three years. They've lost 18 in a row. 
I got to take Canterbury. Well, I think you got to look at Canterbury's playmakers that are back this year. You got Dominic Camarca. As a junior, he had what? 1,500, almost 1,600 all-purpose yards, 15 touchdowns. He's back. And then my favorite player in Southwest Florida, I think he's on the all-name team, is the smooth Barry White. <laughs> is that his name? He, he's in the backfield. He's a smooth runner. He had almost 500 yards last year and seven touchdowns. I think that backfield will have a very good game. I tell you, the Cougars move to 1-0 and on the season. Great. All right. Now we got CSN coming off that huge win. They're at Gateway Charter. Gateway Charter, this one's interesting to me because CSN looked really good, scoring 49 points, but, you know, they didn't do it against a great team. You know, no offense to SFCA. Gateway Charter did not look good. They scored zero points, but they did do it against a very good FBA team, and it was a running clock in the second half, so you got a short uh, time span to score those points. However, just based on momentum alone, and CSN, I didn't mention at the top of the show, Kale Persh ran for so many yards, their quarterback, because their starter, or co-starter, Cooper Core, was injured. He was in a walking boot. His mom says that he may be available this week. That gives him just another dynamic in that backfield. So I will go with CSN. I go back to what you said last week about CSN probably being one of the surprise teams in Collier County. So I say they continue that and beat Gateway Charter. Another team we're getting our first look at is St. John Newman. They did not play the first week of the year. This week they are at home against ECS. St. John Newman coming off a 8-3 and three season last year. Three straight playoff bursts, three straight seasons with uh, eight straight wins, but they only have six starters back from last year. They do have Mike Joyce back, their quarterback, who is a finalist for Offensive Player of the Year. At quarterback last year, Mike Joyce ran for 1,100 yards. He also passed for 700 yards. And ECS, as we said earlier, they're a young team working in some newer guys, like I said about uh, Canterbury. So I don't think they have what it takes to hang with Newman, although I'm really not sure what to make of Newman yet, just with all these new kids. But I think just being at home in their first game that uh, Newman wins. I think this is the toughest game really to pick on the week. And uh, I'm going to side with Mike Joyce and the, and the Celtics. Look out for Daniel DeSantis. I think Mike Joyce is going to throw the ball a little bit this year, so I think DeSantis will probably be a beneficiary of that. Yes, sir. All right, Oasis at SFCA. I got to see SFCA in action last week, and I liked them. You know, they they had that uh, messy second quarter where they gave the ball away three straight times in their own territory, mind you. Oasis looked good, but they were playing Marco, who, again, you know, they haven't won a game in three years. Sorry, Marco. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the home team. I like SFCA. Man, this this is tough. I, I would have told you that Oasis, they're rebuilding. They have a new coach, Jeff Love. It might take some time. And then they beat Marco Island 35-14. to 14. I mean, it's not a very good opponent. But this Toby Kellner guy really, yeah, really intrigues me a little bit. I had, I had not heard of him. I, I mean, he was a transfer from Nebraska. I'm going to go with Oasis this week, nice. but I think it's going to be a shootout. I think you're going to see Eli Moore and Toby Kellner go toe-to-toe. I think this could be one of the more interesting games to watch of the week. Speaking of interesting games, as we mentioned, rivalry game, LaBelle at Clewiston. Uh, does this have a, a, a name? I, I think of the Harvest Bowl, but that's Clewiston and Immokalee. But yes. it's very similar communities, obviously agriculturally based, uh, same kind of kids out there, rural. So it's always a fight when they go out there. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know a ton about Clewiston just Don't know anything yet, about Clewiston. But I do know they're always tough, and they're at home, and that beautiful stadium I really like. And LaBelle um, looked good last week, but again, ECS, not the strongest opponent. I'll take Clewiston. Yeah, I'll take Clewiston, too, in this one. I think LaBelle's heading in the right direction, but 
rivalry game right out I'm, I'm on the second game of the season i'll take the home team and last one we have an out of state contest first baptist academy is playing at fellowship christian in roswell georgia which is just north of atlanta now first baptist had scheduled a uh, game in massachusetts for this week but that got canceled because the rules of massachusetts and i'm not sure if they're playing football right there or not but regardless they were unable to travel up there uh, First Baptist is going up to Fellowship Christian. They're taking buses up there. They're leaving Thursday. It's about an eight, nine-hour trek, probably nine hours on buses north of Atlanta. Fellowship Christian, very good program. 12-1 and one last year. They were state semifinalists in the small private school class there. Uh, have an offense that ran for 315 yards a game. And I was just told before this that the coach of Fellowship Christian is Al Morrill, who was the longtime coach there at uh, Cluiston. So Southwest Florida fans might know him. Tough, tough road to hoe for uh, FBA going on a nine-hour road trip. Yeah, what's your game. rule about road trips? Uh, I always take if, if it's longer than uh, two hours, I'm taking the uh, the home team. And uh, this is nine hours and a very good program. I'll take the Fellowship Christian. I'm going to do the same. I really want to take FBA, but oof, nine-hour road trip. So there you have it. Seven games. Regan and I varied on two of them. That's Oasis at SFCA. He's got Oasis. I've got the Kings. Bishop Farrow at American Heritage. He's taking the Vikings. I'm taking the home team. American Heritage. As always, you can get all these scores live all night long at NaplesNews.com slash sports slash prep zone or news-press.com slash sports. And check us out after the game. We'll have videos. Regan, what game are you covering this week? I've got SFCA and Oasis. Okay, and I've got uh, CSN at Gateway Charter. And get ready, folks. It's going to be a fun Friday night like last week. And then this is the last Friday night before we get all the way ramped up for next week when all the public schools are in action. Regan, anything else to say? No, I hope everybody has a great week of practice, and we're looking forward to seeing you on Friday night. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download to get you ready for the coming week's games.